This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here. Got uh, my good friends Graham Williams and John Beeler. We are live in Las Vegas. We've been down to the Consumer Electronics Show here all week, checking out all the latest and greatest tech and apps and technology that's controlled by apps uh, as well. And we wanted to share some of the, the cool things that we've uh, seen uh, this, this past uh, week. But again, uh, this show, just uh, a lot of work and energy. Yeah, a lot of walking. I'm getting at least 20, 25,000 steps a day. I'm going through about eight Advil a day. So yeah, that's about right. <laughs> uh, so today we're going to talk about some cool health and beauty uh, gear uh, and the apps uh, that uh, work in conjunction with them uh, from like a, an artificial intelligent uh, yoga mat yeah. uh, to uh, trackers for your, uh, your grandparents to help make sure that they're actually eating and uh, so much more. Let's talk about uh, cars. Yeah and autonomous cars which are coming uh, a big surprise announcement down here was sony they announced a prototype sony car it's funny because we've been hearing that apple was going to bring the apple car to market for so long and sony is kind of the you know the other apple in the market right a lot of proprietary technologies um, they do a great deal of research and so now here they are with their own vehicle uh, the thing that really stood out for me on this one was the idea of this safety cocoon, right? You know, the combination of sensors and supplemental restraint systems. Like, it, they, they seem to have really put user safety as one of the, the, the predominant things here. This car has uh, been dubbed the Vision-S, and it is an electric vehicle. If you get a chance, uh, Google this thing. It uh, is incredible inside. The whole front dashboard is just a series of giant screens. So uh, obviously great for the driver to have all that information there, but it really takes the, the passengers into uh, mind here as well. So if you are in the passenger seat, there is a whole bunch of monitors there for you too that you can be watching your favorite shows or accessing the internet. And apparently there's touch screens for the rear passengers. This is really smart. It does feel like the whole vehicle is now an interactive experience for everyone. Um, and I mean, let's face it, the styling here feels very, very reminiscent of a Tesla. Right, like that, that idea of this very clean, uh, very futuristic uh, vehicular front. Very, very cool stuff. Uh, reminds me a little bit of did you the, the Will Smith movie, iRobot. The vehicles in that, this feels reminiscent of that. Very clean designs, very... Which I think was a Sony Pictures film, was it? Yeah, uh, yeah, okay. so, yeah. So I don't know if this thing will ever hit the market. Uh, are they just doing this as a concept to try to sell some of the technologies into other vehicle manufacturers? Maybe so. Like yeah. I know Sony, they own Sony Music and Sony Pictures, so obviously they'd love to get their content into vehicles. And that's something we're going to be seeing with cars over the next 10, 20 years as they go to more autonomous vehicles. Uh, it'll be more about the passenger experience inside, yeah. right? Well, and, and the thing is, like getting down to that, I'm actually looking forward to relinquishing control of my vehicle. I don't want to be occupied with my hands on the wheel. I know a lot of folks out there really love the idea of driving, you know, and I, I think that's going to be part of our culture for some time to come. But for me, it's about getting from point A to point B. So if I can take my hands off the wheel and let the car drive, I'm happy to do it. Uh, autonomous driving, a big topic down here. Intel is one of the uh, the leaders in the marketplace uh, right now. They've done deals with a number of car manufacturers, BMW, Audi, Nissan, uh, a bunch of Chinese car manufacturers like Neo uh, as well, incorporating Intel 
autonomous technology into those vehicles. They bought a company out of Israel called Mobileye back a few years ago, and they've got a special chip that is designed for autonomous vehicles. The really cool thing about this particular system is they they designed it from the ground up to be a redundant system in the sense that it doesn't need connectivity, uh, it doesn't need anything other than what's already in the car itself to do all the processing in real time. Uh, in addition to that though, you can use the cloud and other things, but not for those mission critical things like determining on whether that's a dog or a person or another vehicle in front of you. Uh, and we saw some really impressive demos of the types of things it can do in real time. Simply taking a single frame of a, a video from uh, in front of the car and being able to detect how far everything is, how many different layers of uh, people and objects and, and sort of things in the way that it's able to detect just using cameras. Yeah. And the interesting thing here, and you mentioned this, the idea of it being solely on the vehicle is actually relatively new, right? Because the whole idea here, we've heard a lot of infrastructure folks, like our cellular people, say you can't do this without 5G. Right. But, you know, the idea here I talked to the Intel guy, yeah. and he said, that's a load of crap. Yeah. I won't say which Intel guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he says, the car needs to be on its own. It can't rely on the 5G network. Yeah. That wouldn't be safe. And, and that, that's the thing is, the, you know, V2X, the idea of vehicle to infrastructure, of being able to report back is a nice to have. But in the absence of that, you know, there's a safety problem if your vehicle isn't able to make its own decisions. Now, here's the question that I'm going to ask you guys. If you were given the opportunity to put something into your car that would report the location and speed and intent of your vehicle back to a network so that we did have that supplementary information in exchange for lower insurance rates, would you do it? I'd do it. I'd do it. I'd do it. But it's interesting, like they're, they're developing this technology now that you can actually retrofit cars that don't have self-driving capabilities. That was the thing that I was excited about because I'm kind of hoping that my current car is my last car before we get to the next stage of you know, either ride hailing or robo taxis, which is what they're really going for, uh, because this technology seems to really have a good fit for fleets of vehicles like a taxi service. Well, can you imagine, like, the amount of space right now that we dedicate in downtown Vancouver and downtown Toronto to parking? right? The amount of space in your home that's dedicated to housing a vehicle, you know, your garage, your driveway. If we could say goodbye to that forever, right? And, you know, maybe you do have a pleasure vehicle that used to ride a town that when you need it, you can summon it to you first thing in the morning and then you can drive it away. This, this is the future. And we're here. We talked about this stuff two, three years ago uh, on this radio show. And, you know, we were saying it's going to be maybe five, 10 years away. In five years, this is going to be here. Well, Intel laid out a roadmap yeah. for autonomous vehicle driving. There's different levels from one to five. Level five is full autonomous vehicle uh, driving so that the car completely drives itself without any human interaction. But before that hits consumers like you and I, there's got to be other steps. And, and one of the big next steps are robo-taxis, right. which is interesting. And I talked to the Intel guy who's in charge of robo-taxis. I'm like, well, why? who cares about robo-taxis right now? Like, get me an autonomous vehicle. And he's like, he, he laid out really uh, interesting uh, argument for that. And he said, well, with uh, <coughs> autonomous vehicles, you don't know all the different locations. Like, you're going to make this one car, and it's got to work in, like, London and New York and Toronto. Whereas with robo-taxi fleets, they can actually pick certain cities and make them work for them. Yeah. 
and so they can test it out and make sure it works. And the other thing as well, like when you take a look at from a cost savings perspective, uh, a robo taxi, if you've got two taxi drivers on shift over the course of the day, $40,000 each uh, per year, right? You're, you're looking at, you know, $200,000 plus over the course of a few years. Now, if you could take that and amortize that versus the price of the AI system driving the vehicle, suddenly now this makes sense. So you're able to roll this out, you know, really perfect that technology in these limited spaces and get it to the point where now we're actually getting those cost savings. We're able to hand them back to consumers. The roadmap actually makes a ton of sense. Apparently in Vancouver, we won't get autonomous vehicles for another 80 years <laughs> before the city council allows them, allows them in. But uh, no, just fascinating look uh, again. So they're predicting within five years, we'll see full autonomous vehicles for consumers. And within two years, robo-taxis. The other interesting part of this whole process, though, is also the underlying policies that govern these vehicles when they're on the street. Uh, Intel has been a big player, Mobileye has been a big player in setting these templates that certain jurisdictions will then use to sort of, this is how we think it should go when you're interacting with these vehicles in that space. So it's interesting that all the thought process that's going into all of this other stuff that's not actually the tech for it. Yeah. So we're going to have to take a break here on the app show. When we come back, we're at the Consumer Electronics Show, CES at Las Vegas. Uh, we'll be talking about some cool health tech uh, and the apps that uh, support them. Listen to the app show here in the Course Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with the app show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler, Graham Williams. We are live in Las Vegas. Been here uh, the past week checking out all the latest and greatest tech and uh, apps uh, that are associated with them. It's uh, been a great show, and it's it's really funny because uh, we're down at the broadcast center here on the show floor, and it it always makes me laugh. There's close to three million square feet of exhibit space. You you wouldn't even fathom how much tech is on display here, and they always put the broadcast booths right next to the stereo guys. <laughs> like it drives me mental. It, it was it was funny because I was I was hearing the song. I'm like, oh, that's that's losing it by Fisher. I love that tune. Just not at that volume when I'm trying to record a radio show. <laughs> so we're in, like, in the main hall right now, and they've put us by all the boombox and speaker guys. The other broadcast center, you know where that is? Mm. It's in North Hall, where all the car stereo people are. And they, it just, like, honestly, we used to do the show over there, and the whole booth is vibrating. That's how loud it is. Anyway, so we've got a few minutes here. We told the guys to shut the stereos off, so hopefully it's a little quieter. Speaking of boomboxes, though, did you see, like, the, the old 80s format boombox is back? Yes. Yeah, there yeah. was a bunch of booths here that had like those giant boom boxes. Yeah, like the thin ones that had the big speakers on them. I'm like, everything 80s is kind of back and I'm kind of digging it. Okay, you're going to get one of the, where are you going to put that? In the back of my DeLorean, clearly. <laughs> Do you have some D cells? Do I ever? Let's uh, talk about some uh, cool health tech uh, that uh, obviously works with apps uh, as well here. This one was interesting. They uh, won an innovation uh, award uh, at CES, uh, Zibrio Smart Scale. So this is a, a special scale that comes with uh, an app. Uh, you basically uh, stand on it uh, for one full minute and it looks for patterns of stability and instability and then essentially uh, gives you a balance score between one and 10 and lights up red, yellow or green to signify fall risk. And so, for example, uh, a lower score is associated with an increased risk of falling in adults that are 65 plus. So, good thing we didn't have this last night. Yeah, 
Yeah, you're drunk. Get off the scale. So here's, here's the thing, though. I mean, like, this type of technology is actually becoming incredibly important, right? We've seen Apple with their fall detection in the Apple Watch. Uh, I think, you know, at one point we did a review of a an airbag belt. Yes. Right? That can detect falls and basically pops an airbag out so you don't shatter a hip. Because that can be, it can be a life-ending injury. Um, this is actually really fascinating, being able to sort of take a look at someone's balance and say, you know, there are inher- some inherent problems here. Did you guys happen to see the smart belt? Uh, I've seen a smart belt before. It tells me that I, again, I'm eating too much. <laughs> and it tweets it out for you. Yeah. Um, th- th- this one's actually quite neat. Um, and I've actually, I've got one coming in, so we'll be able to take a look at it. Uh, but what it does is it actually connects up to an app and it does uh, gait analysis. So it, it mm-hmm. basically looks at how you're walking. And it analyzes it over a period of time and lets you know, again, sort of red, yellow, green, where your risk is for falling. And the thing about a lot of this stuff right now is we're getting into preventative technology. You're not worried so much about the airbag protecting your hip, but it's letting you know in advance, well, maybe you should actually be walking with some sort of assistance, either a cane, a walker, uh, maybe you need new shoes, that kind of thing. So. This is some really, really great stuff. You know, as we have an aging population, this is going to become more and more important. I think this is a great idea. Yeah, another really cool uh, band I saw was, again, uh, made for seniors. And uh, obviously the the people that love their grandparents uh, or their parents that uh, are not as mobile uh, anymore. This band doesn't detect things like heart rate or or anything like that. Uh, But it detects patterns in uh, what your uh, elderly parent or or grandparent is doing. So uh, it, it determines when they're eating during the day when they're sleeping and if they're noticing that they're not uh, doing the same actions for eating as often as they should uh, the caregiver whether that's you know their kids or you know a nurse can actually get a notification to check in on them it's kind of funny because I've actually got sort of the cheap and cheerful version of that I bought my parents Apple watches and uh, you know there have been a couple of times where I've noticed because we we can see each other's fitness if during the by the midpoint during the day if their, their calorie count isn't up um, I give them a call, just like, hey, are you, are you feeling okay, sick day? Uh, usually the answer is, I left my watch at home. <laughs> yes. But, uh, but it's actually, it's a, it's a fairly decent way, to, my parents are 3,000 kilometers away, it's a fairly decent way to see, you know, are they up and about, are they doing okay? You just need to get that new Samsung Bali robot to follow them around the house. Right. Yeah, you can check in on them. Perfect. Okay. Uh, remember mood rings? Yes. Well, there's a bracelet now called the Mood Beam Bracelet and app. Okay. And this is kind of cool for people that might, you know, suffer from depression uh, and, you know, the people that are concerned about them. Uh, so this is available in the UK right now, coming to the US, I think for about 50 US. It's a, a wristband that works in conjunction with your smartphone. It's got two buttons on it, a yellow one and a blue one. And so during the day, when you're feeling happy, you hit the yellow button. If you're feeling blue, a little depressed, you hit the, the blue button. Nice. And so this will actually start tracking your your moods and your feelings over the day and days and, and weeks as well so that you can see, you know, how things are going at certain times of the day. But also, you know, loved ones can, if you choose to share this information, can, can help talk about these things as well. Yeah. Instead of having to have that difficult conversation starter of how you doing, it's, you know, I can see you're not doing so well. Why don't we have a quick chat? This is, this is kind of neat. Can I, can I give you my game of the week? Okay. Really quick, uh, because this actually ties into this. It's on Apple Arcade. It's called NeoCab. And the idea is you play almost like an Uber driver um, in, in a world that's actually dominated by robo-taxis. 
And so it's a bit of a mystery, and it's a it's an adventure game where you take on cab fares and you you chat with people in there. And inside the game, you wear a bracelet that actually shows you your mood. Really? So that that's it's free with your Apple Arcade subscription. It's called Neo Cab. I've been playing it for a while. I really enjoy it. Okay, let's look at a couple other things uh, here. Uh, this was uh, interesting. A uh a smart yoga mat. Oh, so this is Yogify Smart Yoga Mat. It's a personal yoga instructor in your pocket. So this works uh, in conjunction uh, with uh, voice assistant. And uh, you basically start doing the yoga on the mat. And it will actually guide you through the different poses. Because it can actually see what you're doing using artificial intelligence. I know, John, you're looking at me shaking your head right now. It's, it's, only, to- two, it's only 250 US. It's going to shame you, though. I know all these things just shame me. All this tech, this health and wellness gonna, tech, is shaming me. With all the fried food that's going on in here, pretty much every pose on that right now at CES is windbreaking pose. We'll leave that there. Okay, we still have lots to talk about on today's uh, program. Uh, later on, uh, we will be talking about laptops and the devices that we carry around with us. They are going to change dramatically over the next 10 years with folding screens. I know they're kind of a gimmick right now, but uh, we saw some really interesting devices down here that I think will actually start uh, becoming affordable and uh, becoming appealing uh, to people. Also, we're going to have a look at something from Samsung called Project Neon. And this is going to freak you out. You got you to gotta Google this. These are human avatars that look exactly like real humans and will be assistants for people to talk to, like chatbots, but but humanists. They're terrifyingly real. We're going to take a break back after this. You are back with the App Show. Mike, Graham, and John here. We're in Las Vegas trying to survive. Uh, we've been at the Consumer Electronics Show for many days now, covering 3 million square feet of crazy tech. You tired? I'm exhausted. John? Same. We do this all day, and then at night we got to go to all these uh, crazy events and and parties as well uh, where they ply you with alcohol and chachkas to try to get you to talk about some of their their gear. Here, get on the mechanical bull. It'll be a great time. Exactly. Uh, I want to talk about something really freaky now. Yes. And if you haven't had a chance to Google this, it's uh, something from Samsung called Project Neon, uh, working with a bunch of partners, uh, including Star Labs. And these are virtual human beings that I don't... You're, you're looking at them on the screen right now, yes. right, in front of us. Can you tell that these are not human? No. Uh, top right guy, maybe a little bit. The, the interesting thing, though, is... These aren't just still photos like we've seen, you know, AI-generated people. This is actually motion. People doing things like fixing their shirt, adjusting their tie, all their little movements, breathing, all that kind of stuff. It looks so real in an uncanny valley kind of way. But it, it actually isn't that uncanny. I was going to say, I think it's crossed through the uncanny yeah. valley. There are things like, again, breathing rhythm, uh, the way that they blink, the way that they sort of fidget a little bit. It looks like a normal human person. They, here at, at, the, in, at the show, they have these giant projections where they have these people. And if, at a distance, you think it's just some video loop that they had that yeah. they shot. And then you get closer and you realize, like, you know, this woman, like, adjusting her top and other things like that. And it, then you're told that it's not real. Yeah, because I mean, the, the things that make us human are essentially the flaws. Yeah. Right? You know, the shirt's a little out of place, the hair's a little uh, off kilter. You know, we blink with one eye faster than the other, that, that kind of thing. 
and they've kind of nailed it with this, which, you know, we've talked about deep fakes in the past, the idea of being able to uh, recreate video of an existing human being. But, you know, what happens now when you are talking to someone and you can't tell if they're real or not? Well, so what they're going to do with this uh, this Project Neon, they're going to be able to license or you're going to be able to subscribe to Neon and get a service representative. Maybe you want a financial advisor, healthcare provider, concierge. Uh, in the future, they could be TV anchors, spokespeople, or even movie actors. Like, the technology is freaking amazing, you know, what they've done here. It's kind of interesting, because you never see the television show Red Dwarf. Yes. Right? There's a hologram in there uh, called Ace Rimmer. Yeah. Right, and he's got a big H on his on his forehead, so you can tell he's a hologram. I'm wondering, do we need something that is going to distinguish the real from the unreal um, at some point in the near future, so that we can start to distinguish? Am I talking to a human being? Do we? It's like putting uh, stickers on glass uh, sliding doors. Yeah, so the birds don't fly through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I think this may be something that we need to talk about because the idea that, and I, I will feel comfortable talking to these uh, digital people as it were, but I think we do need to be able to differentiate between an actual human being and something that perhaps has an algorithm or a database behind it. I think we're going to see in the next five to ten years the technology will be good enough for them to replace actors that have passed away. Well, we're you know seeing, what I mean? Like, we're seeing that with James Dean now. Yes. Right? There, there's, there's one on the way out. I, I mean, I find it a little ghoulish. You know, I was, I was actually, I was good with what happened with Carrie Fisher in the new Star Wars. Uh, quite honestly, like, Peter Cushing in Rogue One looked great. Could have done without Carrie Fisher in that one because, honestly, it wasn't needed. We have to kind of come to the, the, the come to grips with the idea that we don't last forever, and maybe sometimes it's okay to let people go. But then, who owns that likeness? Okay, so for example, James Dean, yes. we used as an example. Who 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 gets to as a movie studio? Can you just go, hey, you know what? Uh, I want to bring back Carrie Fisher. Well, and, and I think that's going to have to become part of our estate. You know, who has the rights yeah. to my voice, my likeness, my mannerisms? It also depends on what they've given up especially from uh, a property like Star Wars, for example, what did they sign away? And usually it's they're signing out their likeness in that film so they can cover off all the merchandising and all the other stuff like that. But now this is going to be their digital likeness in perpetuity. And, you know, they're going to want to get paid. Like they could redo, like the original Star Wars movie. Remember how young Mark Hamill was as Luke Skywalker and Carrie Fisher was and Harrison Ford? Like the technology will be here where they could continue their adventures using computer-generated actors. Sort of be be after Return of the Jedi and before The Force Awakens, yes. we see the inter the intermediate adventures of the main cast and crew. But, I mean, that's going to be freaky, don't you think? Yeah, and, and, and this really comes down to, like, are these the only stories that we have to tell? Do we need to bring back dead actors? I, I, don't, I don't think we do. And what's real and what's not anymore? Like, I just watched this show uh, from the BBC called The Capture, and it was basically about, uh, you know, this shady government organization over in the UK redoing surveillance footage to give them evidence to put away terrorists. And so they would redo it using deep fake video, uh, which is a thing where you can actually put people's face on actors and it looks like them. Now you can't you combine that with the volumetric uh, video that we're talking about that Intel has, you know, being able to create virtual camera angles and suddenly what can we believe? The idea of being able to have a concrete source of video where you kind of look at it and go, okay, that's legitimate, is going to it's going to become more important. Uh, yeah, so I just wonder, like, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, like, will you be able to use surveillance footage, video footage anymore? Because can you trust it? And that's the question. 
But Will it be able to be used in court because what? it's going to be able to be faked? Well, and that's why you have companies like Adobe that are coming out with uh, tools built into Photoshop, for example, that can detect whether or not this image has been doctored. So we're going to have to have that for video as well. But you can't tell if one of those uh, Project Neon avatars looks legit and is put in a situation. I mean, we've, we're seeing them in very studio-ish type of scenarios. What about them in a much you know, darker space video games, that kind of stuff, where they just look so real at that resolution. And also, all the nefarious sides, like, what happens if we program a fake mic? <laughs> you know, to say it's, things that it's not did, hard. Things it's that Mike would never do. Yeah, yeah. you know, and, and so this is, again, it comes down to what is verifiable. You know, there has been some talk about using things like blockchain to be able to, yeah. you create an asset and it's given a specific address inside this blockchain. And if it's not that address, then you know it's not the legitimate source. So just being able to copy and paste things willy-nilly can't happen. I think we're, we're heading into scary times, guys. Very much. Uh, just from the technology I've seen here, it's exciting. Don't get me wrong. I love technology, but at the same time, as humans, we're not very good at... Uh, uh, predicting and planning for the future, yeah. as, as we all know. So, uh, again, very reactionary, and I just wonder, like, should we be putting some safeguards in place now yes. for things like these human avatars? I, I think we should. Okay, we're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the cool uh, mobile devices that we're going to be seeing over the next few years, uh, especially with all these folding screens. What is it going to mean for you? How much are these things ever going to come down in price? Would you ever get one? Well, we'll hopefully answer some of those questions. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with the App Show. Mike, Graham, and John here. We're in Las Vegas still. Almost done. <laughs> We're still. Want to, want to go home. I, I, th I think they're calling me at the gate. They are. They are. Okay, we've got uh, some time for some more tech here. I want to talk about uh, the devices, uh, the computing devices we're going to see over the next uh, few years, and specifically when it comes to phones and uh, laptops. Samsung and Huawei have uh, been uh, leading the race as far as folding screens. We've seen the uh, Huawei uh, Mate 10 and or Mate X, sorry, and the Galaxy Fold from Samsung. These are phones that basically unfold and create one large screen. It's actually a bendable screen. So the technology is pretty amazing. The price is pretty amazing on those things too. They're like anywhere from $2,500 to $3,000 Canadian, yeah. if not more. So down here at CES, we're seeing that trend increase now. Uh, other companies are coming out with it in the phone space, but now the lap top manufacturers are getting into the game as well. Dell, Lenovo, and many others. Uh, Lenovo uh, has uh, actually uh, announced their Lenovo Fold X1, and it is beautiful. So this is a laptop, looks like a laptop shell, but you open it up and it's just all screen. So the keyboard is kind of like a touchscreen keyboard that you'd have on like an iPad, for example. This actually makes a little bit more sense because the folding mobile device always just seemed so fragile, whereas the laptop seems like it's a much sturdier chassis for this whole system. It's, it's thicker, so I yeah. think it, it can be. And I mean, it folds inherently, so you're used to the size of that yeah. device. Um, I, I, I've got to ask, right? Um, Apple brought out their new 16-inch MacBook Pro this year, and the big feature for a lot of people was a return to a nice, firm, responsive keyboard. And now we have a device that has no keyboard at all. 
Well, this particular one, uh, obviously you can hook up an external keyboard to it. Fair. Um, and But just think about it at that point. So now you can unfold this thing. And so some of these laptops, they're like a 13-inch form factor, which, which is kind of the average size for most notebooks. But now when you unfold it into a flat, large screen, it's a 17-inch screen. So you could get an external little keyboard and mouse that you could take with you, and you've got a giant 17-inch laptop. And imagine this actually has to be a touchscreen on both sides. It is, yeah. Because it's, it's got a keyboard built into it. Dell has a really interesting take on it. They've got the same type of uh, laptop uh, case for it. You open it up, it's all screen. Yep. Uh, so you can either use a touchscreen, but it also has a little uh, keyboard that kind of clicks in place on top, like a physical one. And when it's not being used, you can basically click it underneath the, the unit. I'm interested to see the folks out there who buy this, who then sort of come back to the, the market and say, I'm using this and here's how it's great for me because I'm having difficulty picturing myself using it. Like I, I, I love my you know tablet and keyboard combination. I love my tablet just on its own. I love my laptop, but I'm kind of looking at this and going, I'm not sure if I'm not fitting in the space where this device is. Because it, it's beautiful. Like, it's a stunning piece of engineering. And the screen looks amazing. But I'm just, I'm like, I'm looking at it going, who is this for? It feels a little niche -y. Yeah. Yeah. But, but is it, I, I th I'm, I'm thinking some type of variant of this is going to be the new laptop. Really? Like, it's just one giant screen. Like, they got to figure out the keyboard thing, right? Because if you're going to be doing a lot of typing, to your point, Graham, I don't think I want to be sitting typing on a touch screen all day. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I want a physical keyboard. Yeah. So there's got to be some way to have, like, a physical keyboard that comes with it that could be detached easily. So you That's want, not going to have all this extra bulk and weight. So you want one giant screen with a keyboard that folds up into something that you can take with you? Yes. Like the iPad and the keyboard in front of you right now? Something like that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's uh, let's talk about uh, some of the smartphones uh, out there. Uh, TCL showed off a prototype of their folding phone. This thing has two hinges. A trifold. A trifold. It's like one of those trifold pamphlets. I, I feel like if you if you flip it out fast enough, it's going to turn into a set of nunchucks. Like <laughs> it's a little crazy. Okay, so it's about the size of a regular smartphone, but then when you unfold it. It'll turn into a huge 10-inch tablet. It's a Rand McNally map. <laughs> yeah, it looks like you're unfolding a map. I, okay, so this is, again, it's a prototype. Uh, they haven't announced any pricing or exactly when uh, that they'll be bringing this out. Um, they call it the Dragon Hinge Fold. Of course they do. Of course yeah. they do. I don't know. What do you think? You, you, you know, listeners at home, Google this. Again, TCL Trifold phone. Uh, I mean... Wouldn't it be nice to unfold your phone into like a 10-inch tablet? Or is it, but I mean, obviously it's going to be bulkier, right? That's that's a thick phone yeah. when it's not unfolded. Well, and, and this, this is the thing is like, I, I look at the slab of glass and aluminum that I'm using right now, and at no, no, at no point have I looked at it and said, this needs more moving parts. Yes. Right? Like it, it pops out of my pocket. I Can I be it, honest though? Can I, so looking at this design, it kind of actually feels like it makes more sense to me than the, the, the Galaxy Fold or the Huawei I would, I, would, I would agree with you 100% Can on I that. tell you why? Because the front of the screen, when it's a smartphone, is the full size. The problem with the Samsung Galaxy Fold, for some people, is the front screen has got a tiny little screen. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah, you, you know, you're exactly right on that. Yeah. So, so basically, you do have a fully-fledged phone here when you pull it out of your pocket, and then you can kind of... So and the challenge the the challenge I have with the Huawei uh, model is that it takes a different take on the folding. Yes. It um, it basically is all screen yes. right on one side, 
And so when you're just in the, the phone mode, when it's folded up, it's still got the back that's a screen that's still kind of unprotected. Yeah. Whereas yeah. this trifold model from TCL, when it's folded up, the back is obviously not screen. It's the back of the phone. It's the back of the phone. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, from a design okay, standpoint. Okay, but I'm looking at it. It's thick. Yeah. You know, I mean, this thing's going to take up some room in your pocket. But, you know, once they start getting the uh, the, the, the thickness down, I think this could be a viable contender. I, I, I think that's the point, though, is this and along with the Samsung and the, the Huawei, they're the first kick at these cans. And so it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. We've said it before. At least they're trying something that's not just a slab of glass, trying some new things. Maybe not, you know, they're not going to be selling like hotcakes, but they're at least experimenting with to see what people want out of these types of devices. I, I will say out of all three of the folding phones, I hate this one the least. Thanks, Graham. When we come back from the break, we're still down here at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, and uh, we're going to call the upcoming segment, What is Alexa Not Built Into? <laughs> back after this. You're back with the App Show, Mike Graham and John here. We've got a bit of time left. What is an Alexa built into? We're down to the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. Alexa is in everything now. Voice assistants are everywhere. Uh, we've seen it in the new Samsung TVs. Pretty well all the TVs coming out will have some sort of voice assistant uh, built into them. Sonos. Sonos, of course. Uh, I saw a new bike helmet. This was actually pretty cool from SafeTech that has Alexa built into it. It has to work with your smartphone, though, so you can actually, while you're riding your bike, uh, ask Alexa for your calendar or directions or all sorts of different things. Yeah. Or to buy some medical supplies because you're about to crash. There, there was a full-on Amazon Alexa pavilion. Yes. Right? You walk in, and basically they've got vignettes around the room. And, uh, you know, I, John had mentioned that, and I couldn't see him at the time. I could just tell that there was a bit of a a douchebag chef up front and it turns out it was Guy Fieri it was amazing um, who is, is basically going on a he's got Alexa built in he does yes <laughs> they've installed Alexa and Guy Fieri it's going well um, but in all of these vignettes there were uh, all of the Alexa powered pieces so in the home office HP has a brand new monitor that yes. has it built in there was an Echo Show 5 yep right um, and they had a car they had a car, and I looked over, and I'm like, you know, you, you think about a vehicle that Alexa would be put into, probably like a Peugeot or a Renault, perhaps a, a Hyundai. A Ford Escort. Yeah, yeah, and it's built into a Lamborghini. Because who doesn't want Alexa when you purchase your $300,000 Lamborghini? I, I just, I, a bit of me died when I saw that, and I'm not sure why. Uh, all sorts of uh, different types of baby tech uh, yes. that was on display has got Alexa built in. Uh, you know, for those people that hate the voice assistants, they are our future. They are literally being built into everything. Well, yeah. and it, it ties into the Amazon ecosystem as well. Uh, did you see the Enfamil uh, always order system? No. It's basically got uh, a scale on it. it. says you use more of the product, it knows when you're getting low, and automatically reorders it from Amazon when you're there. Thank God for Amazon right. and Alexa. Okay, that's all the time we have left for the show. Don't forget to hit our uh, website. We're giving away an Amazon Echo Show 8 with, with, Alexa. Alexa, with Alexa voice <laughs> assistant built into it. Guy Fieri not included. Guy Fieri not included. Uh, again, getconnectedmedia.com. Go to the newsletter tab. If you subscribe to our newsletter, you get entered to win not only this contest, but all the contests going forward. We're giving away thousands of dollars of prizes. This is Mike Graham and John. And I want to thank Stephen, who's been a big help down here in Las Vegas, uh, helping us out. We're logging off. We'll see you again next time.
You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.